welcome to episode 106 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 4th of January 2021. I'm Joe, and with me are Phelan. Hello. Graham. Hello. And Will. Hello. So here we are, the first episode of 2021. A new national lockdown has just been announced minutes before we went on air. So we're all in a great mood to look back at last year's predictions and make some new ones for this year. So 2020 predictions then. Uh, anyone predict the world going to shit? Uh, no. Uh, well, Graham, you probably did. You always do. <laughs> Let's start with you, Phelan, then. Your first one was that ZFS would be relicensed, uh, something away from the cuddle, or the cuddle would be relicensed to be more compatible with copyleft, and that did not happen. It did not. Not even remotely. Yeah, I've got nothing there. Um, wishful thinking, um, and I, I really think they could actually steal a march here by doing it. It certainly would make Oracle unbreakable Linux look oh so sweeter than uh, Red Hat now that they can step in and swoop and steal all those customers if they had proper ZFS support. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, not even remotely. Yeah, okay, no points there then. Your second one was that the .org sale will be cancelled. And sure enough, you were right. I mean, I'd like to say it was due to real research and, you know, <laughs> gut feeling. and But no, I just took a guess at it. And uh, yeah, I thought it, it didn't seem like it should have gone through. And obviously, that isn't always the marker for something being corrected. But I think in this case, it was so dodgy. It was unbelievable. And the EFF is trying to take quite a lot of credit for this, which I suppose they deserve because they were banging on about it most of the year. And uh, yeah, that all seemed to end up all right. So yeah, well done. Uh, point there, I would say. <laughs> you said that Facebook will be regulated or broken up and Google will be tainted. I can't remember. I did listen back the other day, but I can't remember what you said about Google being tainted. But uh, Facebook has not been regulated or broken up, although there is still talk of it. <laughs> yeah, not this year. I think I, if I'd said that for next year, it would have been right, maybe. But You mean this year? It's 2021, remember, already? Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hedging my bets, 2022. <laughs> yeah, I think you were a bit too early on that one. Oh, well. So I would say one point total for you there, probably. I think there's no reason to count the others. I think I've won, so problem solved. <laughs> well, looking at mine, I'm not hopeful. So yeah, okay. So Graham, you said that Matrix breaks through. Yes, the um, the chat platform. And you said to make it measurable, you'll say its usage doubles, uh, but you couldn't find any stats at the time. No, I so <laughs> have you managed to find any? No, I haven't. I haven't. Although I did see, was it? today that FOSDEM is going to be conducted over Matrix, so yeah. that, that, that could double it. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen um, some French institutions using it, and it does seem to, I wouldn't say it hasn't broken through in the way that, say, Zoom has, for example, but hmm. it has definitely seen a lot of uh, take-up and deployment. So I, I think, um, it, you know, if we're being generous, I think we can probably give you a point on that one. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Joe. <laughs> uh, and you seem to just always make way more than two, but uh, this is your second one, that uh, Godot secures its place as a Blender equivalent for games design, potentially disrupting Unity and Unreal dominance. Yeah, I think in some ways it has. In recent months, I mean, Facebook has sponsored Godot, some gambling places have sponsored Godot. So it's kind of, uh, it's becoming a bit of the Wild West of games design rather than perhaps an open, disrupted version of Unity. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe the two of them together you can just about have a point on. 
Um, because you labeled them A and B for some reason. It's you, you never you never play by the rules. You're such a maverick when it comes to these things. Um, your second proper one was that Raspberry Pi creates a new product range, either a microcontroller or something based on an FPGA or maybe even Risk Five. Does the Pi Four Hundred count as a new product range? No, I, I, I my hunch was really that they'd do a microcontroller, and I still, I guess we'll talk about it later. But I still really think that they will create a microcontroller or FPGA based device. Yeah, looking further down the stock, you're going to predict it again. But, uh... <laughs> well, it's not a new one, but I've squeezed it in to say that I still think they must surely be working on something. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Okay, so Will, you said more desktop fragmentation and infighting leads to high-profile developers spending more time with their family. <laughs> I was in a good mood then, wasn't I? It might have something to do with a recent change of career there. Um, yeah, possibly. I, I, I don't know. I don't think anything's really changed there, has it? I think. Um, well, the second half of that is correct if you just substitute infighting with worldwide pandemic yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true actually yeah everyone has spent an awful lot more time with their family against their wishes i imagine <laughs> but yeah I, I don't know i don't think that the desktop market has really changed a great deal um there don't seem to have been any exciting groundbreaking new distros coming along and then the inevitable fanboyism that comes with that um so yeah i, I don't know nothing much has happened there and actually i don't imagine anything is going to happen there in this coming year either no, I would say, if anything, we've had less infighting and more sort of coordination between the distros. Mm. So, yeah, one that we're all happy or wrong about there, I think. Okay, so you also said Microsoft will add Linux support to their family computer management system, which, remind us what that is. It's something you use for your kids or something. Well, it's a pretty basic premise, and there are no doubt open source solutions to this problem, but none of them really are packaged as a sort of SaaS product. This is like limitations for screen time, limitations for what apps can be opened, and a sort of remote control system for parents that can be operated um, from their phones, for example. Yes, you could definitely build a solution like this yourself or from, from existing technology, but it still seems to be a huge gap in the market that... I expected somebody to come and fill because it seems like quite a quite an easy win. But Microsoft did not add Linux support, and it just doesn't sound like the kind of thing that I want to be on Linux. Really, I think like if you need to rely on software like that, you're doing it wrong as a parent. Spoken as someone with no kids, of course. Um, I, I know where you're coming from, right? You, because this is the same argument that um, instead of investing time and energy in blocking YouTube from a domain name uh, solution, I should actually speak to my kids and tell them that they shouldn't waste all day on on YouTube. But yeah, the reality is is quite detached from that. The reality is, just get off the fucking computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. All right, so uh, yeah, pretty much no points for you there then. And this is looking pretty bleak for me for once. I don't think I'm going to win here. I said that websites other than Pharonix will start covering Intel's clear Linux. Well, uh, yeah, that has not worked out. If you do a, a Google News search for clear Linux, it's just fucking all Pharonix. <laughs> and I don't get it. I still don't get it. It is a great distro. It is really fast. It basically wins on any kind of x86 hardware in any sort of benchmarks. And yet, people just don't seem to give a shit about it, and I don't know why. Lights underneath your car. <laughs> <laughs> really, though? People care about Arch, or at least claim to. Oh, Arch is brilliant. They care about telling you they use Arch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, surely Clear Linux could 
potentially fill that same niche of being a rolling distro that's you know always up to date super fast super lean I, I just don't understand why it's not more popular it's not something that i want to use but i know that there are people who would love using it probably the kind of people like you graham who are using arch i mean why have you never used it hmm. that's an interesting question um the time that i got into arch um, and I think had the time to kind of investigate it and, and break it, um, I had more time. Um, I've kind of settled on it. And I'm at, a, I'm at a phase where I'm not doing that much switching between distributions. And maybe that's the case for Clear Linux as well. Maybe the other ones are just good enough and people are more reluctant to switch. I think good enough is the key phrase there. If you use Ubuntu to start with and, and it's, it does everything you want, then that'll do. Why invest time and energy doing something else? Regardless of what distro you use, as long as it doesn't break, then you're likely to just stick with it. True, but then there's always that distro hopping crowd and you'd think it would be more popular with them. But, oh well, I was wrong there, so no point for me. And I also said Canonical will announce the IPR. I said it wouldn't happen last year, but they would announce it and it would happen in 2021. Well. I don't know whether that was the global health situation or, you know, the crashing economy or whether they just weren't ready. But I, I don't know. It is such a meme at this point that they're either going to get sold or IPO that I had to say it last time, <laughs> but I promise not to predict it for this coming year. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Linode. Go to linode.com slash late night Linux to get started with $100 free credit. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing enterprise infrastructure, Linode offers simple, affordable, and accessible cloud computing solutions that allow you to take your project to the next level. Simplify your cloud infrastructure with Linode's Linux virtual machines and develop, deploy, and scale your modern applications faster and more easily. Linode has 11 global data centers and provides 24-7, 365 human support with no tiers or handoffs regardless of your plan size. In addition to shared and dedicated compute instances, you can use your $100 credit on S3-compatible object storage, managed Kubernetes, and more. I recently moved our website over to Linode, and it was easy and completely hassle-free. The documentation's excellent, and I'm really impressed with the service. So go to linode.com slash late-night-linux and click on the Create Free Account button to get started. That's linode.com slash late-night-linux. On to a bit of admin then, and first of all, thank you everyone for supporting us on PayPal and Patreon. Really is appreciated. If you want to join those people, you can go to latenightlinux.com slash support. And remember, for $5 or more, you can get an advert-free RSS feed on Patreon. So do check that out. And if you want to get in contact, latenightlinux.com slash contact. And we're going to be doing a bit more feedback in the coming episodes. So yeah, do get in contact and let us know your thoughts and topics you want us to cover and stuff. And thank you everyone who showed up for the community get-together on New Year's Day evening in the UK. That was good fun. We had some good discussions, recorded it, and uh, you'll be hearing some of that recording edited down at some point soon, probably in a Late Night Linux Extra. Not sure about when the next one will be, um, probably towards the end of the month, but uh, stay tuned on that one. I'll uh, talk about it on the show and maybe tweet about it or whatever. Okay, so 2021 predictions. Phelim, you're up first. I think there will be a mass extinction event on either a piece of software or hardware on a global scale, i.e. Intel's line of server processors or uh, whatever, uh, router, something like that. 
we've been seeing like this year that massive hack that took place on the solar winds gear now i wouldn't have counted that because that was such a unique piece of uh, of a device and it all boiled down to what looks like a shite fdp password but i think we've kind of been hedging our bets on the fact that we've been patching things in hardware even for so long that i, I don't think we're going to get away with it for much longer and nobody seems to ever spend the time and money to sort these things out ahead of time so i think it's going to take something like throw away your zen 2 processors or whatever to actually cause this to be taken for proper serious go at it anyway i can't see this happening i mean even with um, some of the worst speculative execution vulnerabilities no intel process has got thrown away it'd have to be spectacularly bad to be able to not mitigate it in software uh, even if that means like serious performance loss or whatever yeah but i mean like if your your three gigahertz process is running at 20 megahertz i don't think that counts as still working yeah right? I, th- I think intel will do a rebranding exercise and sell them as incredibly cheap like home user chips and people will lap them up the shitter on uh, well i mean yeah if you were uh, um I don't know, you could buy a server class CPU with, you know, eight cores or whatever running at four gigahertz for a hundred quid. You just go, yeah, I don't care. I'll take a risk. Well, I would anyway. Yeah. Depending on what the vulnerability was, yeah, I suppose they could do that. But then do you really want to deal with the TDPs of uh, server class CPUs? Mm, Very true. If it was cheap enough, people would buy it. Yeah. Fuck the electricity bill, eh? (laughs) Well, I don't know. I I can't see it happening. I don't think you'll be getting a point for that. All right, what's your second one then? I think for regulatory purposes, I think uh, hybrid cloud is going to be forced by law. Now, I don't think the law is going to be written by next year, but I think they're going to be making motions towards it because far too much of the internet goes offline when Cloudflare dies or AWS West trips over a squirrel. Um, I think we need to have... You know, from a corporate standpoint, if you're a, a company that's hosting records of importance that need to be used, you can't just go offline because a data center goes offline. There has to be some more resilience. And we're, we're sort of centralizing everything so much at this point. I think rules are going to have to step in to say you can no longer centralize in one location and you have to have your own source of that data as well. But for who though? What kind of companies are we talking about here? For making the economy work. Uh, I mean, you know, if Google goes down, it takes out every email provider for a lot, lots of companies that have theirs hosted with them. Uh, that, that's nonsense. You, you can't be operating like that. You're going to actually damage an entire economy if they go out proper. So I think there's going to be some laws taken in there where they're going to say, if you're going to host things, you have to have backup and failure. And it's got to be there on your own site as well. I think experience has showed us, though, that it's going to have to damage an entire economy, maybe a global economy, before anything changes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but where do you draw the line on this? What about a humble podcast? Does that have to have uh, redundancy? Well, no, but you have things like Sarbanes-Oxley or HIPAA. You know, the companies, once they hit a certain size, have got regulations they've got to follow. But I think they're going to do exactly that for and anything that can affect multiple decent users, like banks, for instance. Like, if you can't pay your mortgage or get payroll paid out because your bank has for the umpteenth time Ulster Bank shot itself because of a corporate issue where they shipped the IT policies off somewhere else and that keeps getting knocked offline then you know you can't have that many companies and then all the knock-on effects affecting everybody else and especially when there won't be that much money knock around anymore seeing as everybody's blowing through it like mad all through 2020. Yeah. 
Fair enough. All right, well, you wanted to cheat again, and you've got four. So what's your third one? <laughs> well, I think this is going to be the year of Wayland on the desktop. I think most distros, i.e. all the big ones, are going to have something in line for the next LTS release, which is obviously in 2022, but that work begins well ahead of time. And I think even KD Neon is going to be default Wayland for the next one. I can't see it. I can't see it. I don't think that Ubuntu is going to do it. I think that it's uh, it would have to be default in where are we twenty one or four because they'd want to have at least two releases before the LTS. I don't know. I'd have to ask WinPress about it, but I I can't see it for Ubuntu. Of course, Fedora has been default on Wayland for a long time already. Uh, yeah, I'd, it's going to be hard to measure. But I suppose if you're saying that. Um, I suppose by this time next year, we should know whether 2204, Ubuntu 2204, will be shaping up to ship with Wayland. And that's what you're saying, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, we'll see, but you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Your fourth one's about Cute then. Yeah. Well, as of, well, today, Cute went uh, private only paid for support on five. Meanwhile, six is not ready and probably won't be ready for proper use this year. So I think there's going to be a very nasty security related bug with this through the year. Um, it seems a very big mess as to how they've set it all up. And hopefully it isn't, but I think they're going to get bitten by this. And so you'll be moving over to GNOME then as a result? I won't, no, because <laughs> that, that, that's already a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there'll be a fork, Phelan? I hope not, because I think it'd be such a waste. But yeah, I guess it could happen. I mean, there's enough people that could get annoyed by this that either Cutie's going to have to probably step right back on this, I think. But I guess we'll see. Yeah, or well, like an old CentOS fork of it. <laughs> right. Well, you've got four there, so I don't think you're going to get any points. But we'll see. We'll see. So, Graham, you, your first one's about Apple. Yeah, this is about Apple. Um, I think it'll have a big impact on the Linux desktop, or at least the efforts that people put into the Linux desktop. It's mainly, I think, I, I've had a bit of a penny drop moment with, with Apple releasing such powerful ARM processor in its latest, um, MacBooks and the Air, which is fundamentally just a revision step up from what's in the iPad and the, and the iPhone. And, it's obvious to me, I think, that the convergence between iOS and macOS is going to happen. You're going to get fully-fledged macOS apps running on iOS devices or macOS running on iOS. So that means Logic or Ableton or any of those creative-type things. And I think I can see Apple-like creatives suddenly getting the idea that they can whip out their phone, plug it into a screen somewhere or even just use it in front of them exactly as we've been using desktop. Now, this is an old convergent story, but I think to the, the Apple lovies, they'll, it'll, it'll snap into place. And I think Apple have got a really powerful idea, um, and implementation with this, especially coming from performance. Um, I think Linux and Win Windows will quickly try to catch up, but just can't because we just don't have the same. There's not, not the same reasoning behind it. There's not the same design or aesthetic behind it, the applications behind it. So my prediction is, firstly, that Apple will do this, and then secondly, that we're going to waste an awful lot of effort trying to catch up and rebuild convergence into our desktops, which still won't work in this, you know, this time next year. The one thing against this prediction, at least with the iPhones, 
not necessarily the iPads, is that iPhones are not going to have ports at all soon. It's going to be all wireless charging and all wireless data transfer. And that makes it very difficult to do wireless display. I'm sure that coupled with a Mac, it's easy or whatever. But uh, just have one device, you know, the old convergence story that we've been talking about for 10 years now, whatever it is. I don't think that's going to be possible with an iPhone. Yeah, and I don't mean it. I don't think people are going to be looking around keyboards and trackpads. But I mean, look at the iPad Pro. It's got a wonderful, well, if, if you like those thin keyboards, it's got a really great keyboard solution with a touchpad. It is a MacBook Pro, but it's also like the best tablet you can get. Mm. If I was to get a Mac and the iPad Pro ran macOS software, that's the one I would get. And I think everyone will. Um, and I think that will become the MacBook Pro of the future Mac line. And so that will have a knock-on effect on Apple phones. Um, but yeah, maybe they'll get it to work with screens, maybe they won't. But I still think you'll see apps as maybe single universal packages again, and, and it just becomes a single ecosystem that will have difficult fitting our ecosystem into and competing with. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. So your second one is about the Raspberry Pi then? Well, it's, it's basically, I really, I th if... Raspberry Pi Foundation aren't working on like a microcontroller to, well, I'm, I'm, we, I remember we had this discussion last year and I think I agreed with Will at the time that it's nice Arduino doing the right thing with all of this. But I, I think, you know, Raspberry Pi is such a powerful brand. They've got their fingers in so many important places, education in the UK specifically. They need a, they need something at the microcontroller level and they also need something at the FPGA level, which would be really in, exciting, interesting devices in the way they commoditize it and sell stuff for a reasonable price. I like to think that I'm quite an aficionado of microcontrollers and I know nothing at all about programming FPGAs. It just seems unapproachable to me. It's just completely confusing and baffling. If they could come up with a way of teaching FPGA programming to someone like me, ah, I would be very, very excited about that. Yeah, me too. I mean, so I've, I've dabbled with it in, in articles for it, and it's a really exciting technology, but it's so complicated, and the tool set is very specific. And You have to worry about timing and stuff as well, which is horrible. Yeah, but then the huge, I mean, so many great synthesizers built around a decent oh, FPGA. Here we go. Add <laughs> <laughs> reverb now. Uh, yeah. I think that this is probably right, but I don't think it's going to be Raspberry Pi themselves. I think that they are going to use their approved design partners program, which they launched pretty quietly late last year, where they're working with other companies. And I think that that is how they would accomplish this. They know not to take on too much themselves, but sort of, you know, contracting it out or franchising it out. I don't know the, the technical business terms for it, but working with other companies, essentially, I could see this happening. Yeah, I think that might be preferable, actually. Um, keep it, keep the product line clean at Raspberry Pi, focused on its ARM devices. Um, yeah. And then I kind of tagged on a, like a 2B, which isn't really related, but I'm, I'm becoming, <laughs> there's so many walled gardens and um, fixed updates that I do feel like we're losing the battle slightly with open source software. Um, and I kind of feel like this is building up maybe to a critical mass where we, the open source community, even as disparate as we are and, and so totally disconnected, you know, in terms of our, motivations for being involved will have a kind of um, an existential crisis and what have we been doing what can we use and what have we left for future generations to tinker with 
That sounds really quantifiable. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be easy to tell. Well, I can't. I keep going on about it. Don't you know? You've got to be the change, haven't you? Don't don't read those newspapers that print that shit, and you know, use the software you want to see more of. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Datadog, the performance monitoring and analytics solution for real-time visibility into your Linux environment. Combining metrics, traces, and logs in one unified platform allows you to get a bird's-eye view of your entire infrastructure. You can also see any underutilized cloud or on-premises servers via the real-time auto-generated host map. Datadog's machine learning-based alerts eliminate false positives and make sure that you only receive alerts on issues that matter. You can automatically detect unanticipated outliers, anomalies, and errors with Watchdog, the auto-detection engine that surfaces performance problems in your applications without any manual setup or configuration. Start your free Datadog trial today by visiting datadog.com slash late night Linux. Start your free trial, create one dashboard, and you'll get a free Datadog t-shirt. That's datadog.com slash late night Linux. Right then, Will. Uh, is, this is supposed to be predictions, not fucking Will's dream time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. This is very similar to, to Graham's, I think. I, I feel it's similar to Graham's uh, point about the MacOS and iOS merger. I think now that Apple have shown the way with an, an ARM-based laptop that doesn't have to be a low-powered, low-cost, like bargain bucket machine, that it can be a bells and whistles, really a fanciable machine, I really hope that somebody like Dell or or HP or even Lenovo decide that making a ARM-based laptop, 13-inch laptop with a really nice screen, decent keyboard, is something that is desirable and that they will be able to sell a lot of and if it is somebody like dell there's a really good chance that they will ship it with ubuntu on it and that makes me excited because then even if you don't like ubuntu you can just run linux on it safe in the knowledge that drivers are going to work and then i think that that will enable the market for people like system 76 and even people who are just rebadging um, Clevo machines to sell ARM laptops with Linux preloaded and then we'll have that device that I really, really wanted for Christmas but never got. So you think you're going to get an ARM-based netbook for a reasonable-ish price that's going to actually be nice? Yes. Maybe with Windows, but I can't see it with Linux somehow. It's uh, an awful lot of money to enable that hardware. But I want one. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, you also want uh, an all-out cyber war, it seems. <laughs> well, it's inevitable. And this, again, this ties in with what Phelan was saying, although I wrote mine first, so those two clearly <laughs> copied me. Um, <laughs> fucking lies. <laughs> <laughs> this just seems inevitable that there's going to be a massive cloud failure, which isn't just Slack stops working for, for an hour. It's going to be actual like NHS records are inaccessible for days and days and people start dying. I have a feeling I've talked about this before, but I I really feel like that this is on the horizon. Um, and more so than just a service failing is actually somebody attacking it, taking it down on purpose. And then we're into World War Three, but it will be done with, uh, you know, computers instead of bombs. I suspect that there will also see more uh, fighting around security. Um, the the stuff that Apple did about Facebook privacy, or rather Facebook complained about Apple blocking them from tracking people in apps. You know, this this is going to end up in court somewhere and Facebook are going to 
die. I really hope that they they lose this battle and they just go away, and that will be the end of it. And yeah, I just I think it's going to be a, a really um, confusing time. We're going to get through 2021. People are going to be immunized against COVID, and then all of this shit's going to kick off around this time. Uh, well, just before Christmas, let's say to keep things light. Give <laughs> <laughs> me those fucking selection boxes again. That's all right. <laughs> we will see. This will be the acid test. I can't wait. I'm going to be able, have a reason to plug my Amiga into the modem. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there with my 300 board packet radio. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's going to be brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and you think as a result of all of this, FOSS is going to be more trusted in the eyes of the government then? I hope so. I hope that, that, that seeing proprietary software just getting taken apart and being unreliable and the people who are supposed to be around fixing it, you know, all those companies have just gone bust because they haven't, um, they haven't been able to sell anything. And then the only way will be FOSS software and we will win. All right, so my first one is that one of the CentOS rebuilds will succeed and become the de facto standard, and that's probably going to be Rocky Linux or whatever it's called. Carpet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's not hard, is it? <laughs> <laughs> what? Enterprise and not liking more choice, shocker? <laughs> Look, man, I got no points this time and we didn't actually declare a winner because it wasn't me so i don't care but i want to fucking win this time why don't you say the year next year will end in one (laughs) yeah yeah no but i I do think that uh you know this will be smooth i think that um something probably rocky will spin up it'll get enough community momentum behind it and i think there'll be a very simple script to switch your repos over and people will just essentially keep using CentOS and get the 10 years that they thought they were going to get. So what about Cloud Linux then, which is already way more money? Well, yeah, possibly. Possibly that. But it, that just feels a bit too corporate to me, whereas Rocky's How do you measure more. de facto then? Aha. Um, good question. Good question. Do we have to search to see if it's anywhere other than Pharonix? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose, yeah. Exactly, yeah. If it gets covered anywhere. I, I think we'll just know from the community, won't we? There'll just be a, a feeling. You know, that you know, CentOS is the de facto, or was the de facto standard in terms of RHEL rebuilds, wasn't it? I mean, you had the, the other ones as well, but CentOS was, like, clearly the one that most people were using. And I think that one will emerge. Are you discounting stream from this then oh yeah yeah that's that's not centos it's a different distro it serves a purpose and i'm sure it's great but it's not centos is it but if everybody goes from centos eight up to stream straight away you're not counting that it's only what's left behind yeah yeah i just don't think that many people will be moving to stream okay maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong but that's that's what i think yeah i I don't think the stream is going to be the de facto replacement. I think that it will continue to exist and be a thing that some people use, but I think that something like Rocky or Cloud or whatever will become the one that people use. So my second one, Manjaro will suffer an embarrassing security fuck-up and people will move to Endeavor OS. Have you got inside information? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've not got inside information. I just, I just look at the Manjaro project and I see how popular it's getting as a distro and I just worry that they don't necessarily have the chops to mitigate against this. I mean, we saw it with Linux Mint, didn't we? That wasn't quite as bad as it could have been, although it was pretty fucking bad. And I think it did make a lot of people move away from Linux Mint. And I think that if we get something like that from Manjaro, if they take their eye off the security ball 
and you know this potentially ties into some of the other stuff that you guys have predicted all it takes is one major fuck up and then you know the the repos getting compromised or whatever and a, a load of crypto miners getting sent down as updates to people something like that and then they're just like finished in terms of reputation and i just worry that because of the size of the team versus the popularity of the distro that is a real possibility and i also really like endeavor os so <laughs> there we go i don't want it to happen but i just fear that it might so hopefully this will go out into the ether and it will make them think shit we better make sure that java isn't right and then i'll be happy either way so they're my two main ones i, I did have there'll be a new raspberry pi zero that's more powerful with more ram but i think that's too easy that's surely going to happen i mean Come on. Have you got inside information? No, I've not got inside information. I just, it, it's been long enough for a new one. And, you know, I've had the Pi 400 now. It, the zero is just next up for a refresh, isn't it? Surely. I really hope you're right because, you know, that's like on my Will's dream list of things because my 3D printer's got a Pi Zero in there. It's not really powerful enough to run some of the software I run on it, like the webcam streaming. It'd be great if I could just slot something else in. What's it comparable to these days? It's like a Raspberry Pi B, isn't it? Model B. Oh, right. Okay. Yes, yeah, it's, it's comparable to the first Pi, isn't it? The Zero. Yeah. But it's a little bit more efficient and stuff. But it's, yeah, it's pretty low end. Whereas, yeah, it may be as powerful as a two or something. Um, you know, with a little bit more RAM. I, I could see it happening. I mean, it manages the uh, webcam streaming okay, but I can't control the printer at the same time. It's just that kind of thing. Yeah, that's the level we're talking about. It's not going to be, you know, a Pi 4 or anything, but it's going to be just that little bit more powerful. Right, well, there are our predictions. You should send some of yours in to us, dear listener. Go to latenightlinux.com slash contact and uh, tell us what you think is going to happen over the next year. So with that, we'd better wrap it up. Um... I've got one last prediction for you, and that is that we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, well, perhaps more details on the next show. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Phelan. I've been Graham. And I've been Will. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>